Let's turn in our Bibles, please, to the book of Numbers, the 13th chapter of the book of Numbers. Just reading from verse 30 down to verse number 33. Over recent weeks, we've been looking at some of the great giants that are mentioned in Scripture. And in life, we all face our giants. Maybe it's the giant of fear. Maybe it's the giant of unbelief. Maybe it's the giant of anxiety or the giant of discouragement. Many giants that we face in our Christian lives and experience. And the Word of God, especially in the Old Testament Scriptures, records different instances whenever God's people face their giants. And last Lord's Day, we were thinking about the giants in the land of Canaan, and Caleb, and Joshua, and ten other spies went to spy out the land. And whenever they spied out the land, they saw so many good things that God had promised them, good things that God, in fact, had given them. But many were reluctant to go in and possess their possessions because of the giants. And so we didn't get that message finished last Lord's Day morning, and we're going to look at it again this morning. So let's just turn in the Word of God to Numbers chapter 13, and we'll read from verse 30 down to verse number 33. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, that is, possess the land, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. And we know God will bless again the reading of his precious and inspired word. Giants, grasshoppers, and God. Verse number 30, we saw the giants, which uh, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. It was all a question of perspective. All of the 12 spies that went to spy out the land, in a physical sense, they all saw exactly the same things. They saw the hills and the valleys. They saw the fertile fields. They saw the fruit of the land. And they all as well saw the giants. And yet Caleb and Joshua saw God in the midst. Sometimes we look at the giants that we face Sometimes we see ourselves as grasshoppers, but it's important in the midst of it all that we never lose sight of God. Let's just unite our hearts together briefly, and let's pray that the Lord will take His Word and write it upon our hearts this morning. Loving God and everlasting Father, we bless Thee for everything that has taken place in this service already. We thank Thee, O God, for the reading of Thy Word. We thank Thee for the singing of Thy praise. We thank Thee for the seeking of Thy face. We thank Thee, O God, for the dedication 
of little Samuel this morning. And here we are just now, fresh, gathered around the open pages of thy word. And we make an appeal now to thyself, that thou wilt send thy spirit, and speak into our hearts and into our lives, and grant that honor, praise, and glory might be brought to thy name, and that you will lead us, O God, into a new place with thyself. Deliver us, O God, from fear. Deliver us, O God, from defeatism. Save us, O God, from unbelief. And give us today faith in thyself, faith in thy word, and the resolve in our hearts to go through with God and to possess all of our inheritance and all of the things purchased for us upon the cross. I pray now for thy help. Bless us in the closing moments of this meeting. Glorify and exalt thy Son, for it's in his name, and for thy glory we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just to recap some of the thoughts that we considered last Lord's Day morning, because many of you were not able to be with us on that occasion. We said that oftentimes in the Christian life, we know where we ought to be. But sometimes because of the giants that we see, it's very difficult for us to get there. And so it was with the children of Israel. God had brought them out of their slavery in Egypt. God had provided a way of deliverance across the Red Sea. God had brought them to the other side of the Red Sea into the wilderness and was providing for all of their needs. And now God has brought them to the very borders of the land of promise. And he sends certain spies into the land to spy out the land and to bring back a report. And the twelve spies come back with their reports. And they all know that's where God wants us to be. That's where we should be. That's where we ought to be. But there are giants in the land. And for that reason, many of the spies were not willing to go in and possess their possessions. And sometimes we read the Word of God. We see what we ought to be as God's people. We see where we should be as God's people. We see where we want to be as God's people. All of the blessings that God has promised in the Bible for the child of God. But sometimes whenever we look at the promises of God and the blessings of God, we realize we're going to have to fight for them. We're going to have to pray. We're going to have to strive and enter into the place of blessing. But there are many giants, many things that cause us to be afraid. And so sometimes we rest upon our laurels we rest upon our lees and sometimes we're even tempted to go back because we're afraid of what going forward and going through with God might entail. So last Lord's Day morning, we considered the reconnaissance of the land, the spies going in and spying out the land, searching out the land. And then we considered as well the reality of the giants. None of the 12 spies could deny the reality of the giants. The giants were there. The giants were real. And the giants weren't just going to go away. And we have to acknowledge that perhaps now, more than ever, in this world of ours, there are giants that God's people are facing almost day and daily. Giants outside of the church. Giants even in the church. 
and even giants that are in our hearts and in our minds. And in order for us to enjoy the blessings that God has promised us and the blessings that God gives us in the gospel, these giants have to be faced. They might be real, they might be mighty, they might be visible, they might be numerous. It might be the giant of unbelief, the giant of fear, the giant of opposition, the giant of self, the giant of sin, the giant of secularism. And then you have the report of the spies. Twelve spies went to spy out the land, and they all came back with their reports. Ten of the spies brought back a pessimistic report. They were so consumed with the giants, and so overcome by the fact that they felt like grasshoppers, that they lost sight of God. And they said, we are not able, not able to possess the land, not able to enter in. And then Caleb and Joshua, the Bible says later on that they were men with a different spirit. Yes, they saw the giants. Yes, they felt like grasshoppers, but they saw God. And that made all the difference. And Caleb, the Bible says, still the people. And that indicates that the people had become very agitated. And he said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. And then not only was the, the, the reconnaissance of the land and the reality of the giants and the report of the spies, but also the rebellion of the people. Chapter 14 begins with the words, the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night, and the children of Israel murmured. And so there was this great rebellion within the camp, and they gave in to dis disappointment, and they gave in to discouragement, and they gave in to despair, and they gave in to disillusionment. And they began to murmur and grumble and complain and felt that everything was hopeless. And then somebody said in the third verse of chapter 14, let us go back to Egypt. Let us return to our bondage. Let us return to our slavery. And that's where we finished off last Lord's Day morning. Let's consider another few points very simply and very briefly this morning. Look at verse 11 of chapter 14, the resentment of Jehovah. In all that has been going on, the report of the spies, the rebellion of the people, it seems that all has come to a head and the Spirit of God has been grieved. God is watching on, looking at His people, wanting to see what's in their hearts. And whenever they rise up and they all say, let's go back to Egypt, we cannot possibly enter into the place where God wants us to be. The Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me for all the signs which I have showed unto them? God wanted to bless his people. God wanted to bring them into the place of promise, into the land of blessing. He wanted to feed them and satisfy them. And he wanted them to possess their possessions. But instead of seeing God, so many could only see the giants, and so many felt just like grasshoppers. And the sad reality was because of unbelief, a failure to believe that God was able, 
a failure to believe that God would fulfill his promises. So many held back in the spirit of God was grieved, and it was the old sin of unbelief that caused the Spirit of God to be grieved. God says, in spite of all that I have done, right up until this point in time, my people, my people will still not believe me. He promised to make of Abraham a great nation, and he brought Abraham out of the earth the Chaldees and gave Abraham great promises and there was the rising up of the patriarchs, and then you had Joseph in Egypt, and all of the children of Israel flourishing in Egypt, and then God delivering them by blood, and bringing them across the, the Red Sea, and providing for all of their needs in the wilderness, and still in their hearts this awful promise of unbelief. Child of God in 2022, are we really any different? Do you ever look back at all the way God has led you right up until this present time and He's never failed you. He's never forsaken you. He's never broke a promise. He's never let you down. He's redeemed you by the blood of the Lamb. He's brought you out of your sin. He's brought you into His kingdom. He's provided for all of your needs. He's defeated many giants that you've faced before. And yet for some reason, for some reason, we still find it very difficult just to trust Him and just to obey Him. If you're like me, whenever you look back and you say, well, God has helped me right up until this point, but now there are new giants, maybe more numerous giants, maybe greater giants, and then you feel guilty because why am I not trusting the Lord the way I should? God has blessed and answered prayer and provided countless times before. But here we are with this same old problem sometimes of unbelief. Why do we find it so difficult just to trust Him? Why do we find it so difficult just to obey Him? Is it because we see the giants? Is it because we feel like grasshoppers? Have we lost sight of God even this morning? You'll notice all of God's threatenings there in verse number 11. God says, I will smite them with pestilence and disinherit them and will make of thee, I'll make of you, Moses, a greater nation and mightier than they. God was so grieved by the sins of his people that he made this awful threat and Moses heard it and Moses, I'm sure, was discouraged. You see, the problem was just the problem of fear, unbelief, backsliding, and all of these things brought displeasure to the heart of God. We cannot be fatalists. I believe today that God has promised so much blessing for His church, so much blessing for His people, and there's so much more for every Christian to enjoy, so many promises that God could still fulfill, so much ground that God could still give us. But sometimes because of fear because of unbelief, and even because of old-fashioned disobedience. We go so far, and then we stop, and we say, no, God, I can't go forward any further. Let us not be fatalists. Let's press on, and let's enjoy the riches that God has to give us. Faith sees God, and God also sees faith. Caleb and Joshua 
the Bible says, were men with a different spirit. They saw the same things, but they had a different perspective. They were able to bring God into their dilemma. Dear friend, this morning, bring Christ into your crisis. And look at all of the giants and all of the problems and all of the difficulties through the lens of Holy Scripture and realize that God is a promise and covenant-keeping God. Believe that God is still in the throne. Believe that God is bigger than any giant that you face. And trust God for a better day. Let's not be fatalists. Faith sees God. But God also sees faith. Remember the man that brought their friend to the feet of the Savior? He was a paralyzed man. He was on a bed and they went up to the roof of the house. They weren't discouraged by the large crowd. They didn't say, we'll come back at some other time. But rather they took him up to the roof of the house and they took some of the roof tiles to the sides and they laid their friend down at the Savior's feet. And the Bible says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man sick of the palsy, thy sins are forgiven thee. And then after that, arise and take up thy bed and walk. Faith saw Christ, but Christ saw their faith. And the problem here in Numbers chapter 14, God looked at his people, and rather than seeing faith, he saw unbelief, the resentment of Jehovah. Notice furthermore the response of Moses. Verse number 13, And Moses said unto the Lord, Here's Moses caught in the middle. Twelve spies don't believe you. Two spies do, but virtually all of Israel is going with the crowd, going with the majority. And there's always a great danger whenever the church begins to go with the crowd. And the church begins to look at all of the problems and say, it cannot be done. And we go the way of the world. And we find ourselves being drawn and drifting back towards Egypt. What could Moses do? Moses wanted to be in the place of blessing. Moses knew that the people were afraid. Moses now knows that the anger of God has been kindled. And Moses is in a dilemma. And he feels, I can't change the hearts of the people. I can't drag them kicking and screaming into the place of blessing. But I can pray and I can seek the face of God. And that's exactly what he does. He can't change things. But he believes in the power of Almighty God. And so he gives himself to prayer. And Moses becomes what the Bible calls an intercessor. A man that gets into the presence of God and lays hold upon God and prays for the people. A prophet is a man who stands before the people and represents God. An intercessor is a man who enters into the presence of God on behalf of the people. And here's Moses, the great man of prayer, and he gives himself to prayer. I believe today that God is looking for intercessors. I believe today that God is looking for men and women who will really pray and lay hold upon God because I believe today that only God can change the hearts of His people. Only God can give us faith to really believe that we can possess our possessions. It was Charles Wesley who made his prayer in that great hymn, Give me the faith 
which can remove and sink the mountain to a plain. But where are the people who will lay hold of God in the place of prayer? Can I challenge you today? Will you be that man? Will you be that woman who in the midst of the giants and in the midst of an unbelieving day and generation will lay hold upon God and give yourself to prayer? The Bible asks the question in Isaiah chapter 59 and verse number 19 rather makes a statement that says, God saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him and his righteousness it sustained them. I wonder today, does God look down at this province of ours and see where we could be as a people, but because of unbelief we're in a spiritual wilderness? And does God look down and say, where are the intercessors? Maybe God looks at this fellowship today and says, where are the people who will really pray and take me at my word and come before the throne of grace? It was the same in the days of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter number, uh, where is it? Ezekiel uh, chapter, lost my place here in my notes. Uh, Ezekiel 22 and verse number 30. God says, I sought for a man among them, a man to stand in the gap and make up the heads before me for the land, but I should not destroy it, but I find none. But rather Moses gives himself to prayer. And you'll notice that he prays with great intensity and he prays with boldness. He says, God, the Egyptians shall hear it and they will tell it to the inhabitants of the land. For they have heard that thou, Lord, art among this people and that thou art seen face to face. And he says, God, the Egyptians, the ungodly, will see the unbelief of your people and God, your honor is at stake. And God, you're being misrepresented. Your people aren't trusting you. But Lord, you've promised to bring them in. And then he goes on in his great prayer in verse number 18, and he quotes there, the Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. And he's quoting the very word of God himself. Back in Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 and 7, whenever Moses was face to face with the Lord himself, God spoke those very words. And the Lord says, I am the Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands. And so it goes on. And Moses is now coming into the presence of God in prayer. And he's saying, now God, this is what you have said. This is who you declare yourself to be. And Lord, I'm coming now into your presence. This awful dilemma that's before me that I can't change and I can't fix. But Lord, your word says. And that's what real prayer is. Prayer is coming into the presence of God with all of our needs and burdens, things that we cannot do and yet coming before Almighty God with His Word and saying, but God, this is what you have said. This is who you claim to be. And Lord, I'm asking you to fulfill your promises. Many years ago on the Isle of Lewis and 
A number of months ago, we talked about the awakenings in the Isles of Lewis and Harris, 1949 to 1953. There was an area where there was a real resistance to the movings of the Spirit of God. And some of the elders and young Christian men got together in the house of an old blacksmith and they began to pray. And then one young man rose to his feet and he said these words in prayer. He says, Lord, do you know that your honor is at stake? Lord, you have promised to pour water in him that is thirsty and floods on the dry ground, but Lord, you're not doing it. He says, Lord, I don't know how anybody else stands in your presence today, but if I know anything about my own heart, I stand before you as an empty vessel, hungry and thirsty for an outpouring of your Spirit. And Lord, you have promised to pour water in him that is thirsty and floods on dry ground. And Lord, you're not doing it. Your honor is at stake. And he prayed with such boldness that the, the, the account gives, gives it that the presence of God filled that house. And that granite house in Arnold and the Isle of Lewis shook like a leaf as the presence of God and the power of God was poured out from on high. And all of a sudden, there was a great awakening and a great move of the Spirit. One man was able to pray with such boldness and conviction and say, God, this is what your word says. And that's the type of praying that God answers. And that's the type of praying that Moses engaged in. One last thought, and we're finished. We've thought about the reconnaissance of the land, the reality of the giants, the report of the spies, the rebellion of the people, the resentment of Jehovah, the response of Moses. Notice in closing the results for Israel. Dear friends, this morning, faith and unbelief always have corresponding results. In verse number 20, you notice there of chapter 14, the results of unbelief. The Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word, God is taking Moses at his word. God is answering prayer for Moses. Moses has prayed with holy boldness. And then verse 21, God says, But as surely as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. What a promise that is. I believe that that particular promise has still to see its greatest fulfillment of all. Whenever God comes and Jesus Christ returns, and all the world will be filled with the knowledge and the glory of God. But verse 22, God says, Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt in the wilderness, have tempted me now these ten times, have not hearkened unto my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. Because of their unbelief, they would not receive the blessing that God would otherwise have given. The prophet Hosea said that God spoke to his heart and said, When I would have healed Israel, then the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered. God on the brink of sending an awakening. But because of sin and rebellion and disobedience and unbelief, the blessing of God was forfeited. And here we have it in Numbers chapter 14, a group of people who saw what they were to inherit, but because of unbelief,
and disobedience, they would not enter in. And for 40 years, they would wander in the wilderness as an unbelieving people, and they would be shut out ultimately of the land of promise. I often wonder if we really took God at His Word and really trusted Him and really believed in Him and really prayed and really faced our giants and fought the fight of faith, would things be different in this land of ours? Faith, mighty see. Faith, mighty faith, the promise sees. And looks to God alone, laughs at impossibilities, and cries, it shall be done. The results of unbelief. Notice as well the results of faith. Verse number 24, But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Caleb and Joshua were men that had a different spirit in them, a different spirit with them, and a different spirit upon them, the spirit of faith, the spirit of conviction. And they were believing and trusting God for a better day. Dear friends, we do not know what God has in store for us. We know not how the Spirit moves. We cannot tell the future. But let it not be our unbelief that robs us of the blessing of God. Let's trust God for a better day. A better day for ourselves. A better day for our children. A better day for our church. A better day for our nation. And let's trust in God today. How we respond to the giants and how you respond to God is critical. I trust today that God will give us faith to go through with God and our children will see that faith in us and will face our giants, possess our possessions, and receive our full inheritance. All a question of perspective. For some, the giants seemed insurmountable. For others, the giants seemed insignificant. Whenever they got their eyes upon the Lord, men of a different spirit. May God give us a different spirit today and help us to go through with God our vows to pay are all upon the altar lay. The Holy Ghost will do the rest and bring to us God's very best.